just get some clarity here. Um, that's a piece by Haley Turner. And I was looking, um, I wanted some, I said, I want something that we can use to claim this period of history that we interpreted. We say what it meant. I didn't want it referring to anybody else's whatever, suffering. I wanted it to be ours. And so I had friends around me who spoke East Way Healy, so I said, look, give me a term for a disaster. And that's how it came to me. And that was in 1979. Then it just took off. And we had, it, it connected to our spirit. But we use that. That's not about the people who actually created the, the, the language of Kiswahili. Right? That comes out of um, a, a, a diasporic consciousness of the need to organize on Pan-African uh, uh, levels. Okay? Okay, so Ma'afa. Ma'afa shatters our reality. It takes away our collective consciousness. Ma'afa, the great disaster. It teaches that the best thing to be is an individual and non-African at that. The Ma'afa disconnects us from each other. It disconnects us from our traditions and it's our traditions that gave us strength. The Ma'afa can be understood as cultural genocide. Now remember all the things I just said about the importance of culture. Ma'afa must be understood in cultural terms. It robbed African people of our cultural identity, which in turn acted to prevent collective organization in our own interests. So we have great difficulty doing that. The Ma'afa is a consistent, systematic, ongoing attempt to separate people of African descent from our cultural foundation and to effectively erase our cultural memory. So that the Ma'afa is a psychic, it's a relentless psychic attack and cultural assault against people of African descent. It disrupts culture. The Ma'afa causes disorganization. We wonder why we can't organize. It causes that. It does it intentionally. It causes fragmentation. And it causes chaos in the existence of Africans in America, the Americas, the Caribbean, and on the continent. I haven't even gone into what we have seen happening on the continent of Africa. You see the Ma'afa on the continent of Africa in ways that, that at least we recognize it here. There it isn't even recognized as Ma'afa but it is straight up Ma'afa. So we got a lot of work to do. This work is extremely important. Mookie, they killed him. They killed Radio Raheem! Raheem! This all night, here we go, yeah, I've 
They killed Radio Raheem. This is Osaze O'Kara. And I'm here with the good brother, Biko. Yeah, so I have a um, a question. Do Africans, continental Africans, hate African Americans? That's a great question. Well, first of all, I should thank you for having me on your show. Um, I'm very honored to be able to be here and speak with you. Um, that's a question that comes to me very often. Um, usually come to me from our brothers and sisters that say are born on this side of the world. It is just like you say to Africans hate African Americans. Quote unquote, I would say. Um, no, they do not. Um, what happens, and I've seen it happen because I experienced it myself, is as soon as an African born on the continent comes here to America, is he or she is bombarded with negative images and stereotypes about his own people that are that happen to be born here or experience the uh the mafia the uh you know the the transatlantic trade as they call it so what happens automatically is the person that gets to America from the continent has a reflex of not not wanting to associate themselves with their own kind here based on the fact that they feel like the reason why the system is as brutal and vicious on their their own people is because they deserve it. So they develop a reflex of wanted to separate themselves from people that are the same as him or her. What that creates, that division creates uh, a feeling of, of, of uh, I don't know how to say, it, a lack of trust between people that have, that there are people of the same descent. On the other side, my people that, again, are called, quote-unquote, African-American, are thought that the people over there on the other side that come straight from the continent are not civilized enough, come from the jungle, are savages and whatnot. Same game, stereotypical games, that were played on the people coming from the continent were played on our people here in different ways. So that, that division started creating a lack of trust between us that, that's, that allow other negative feelings to come in. And I think that's where that question comes often. That's where I'm asked that question often where is, hey, oh, do you think, you know, oh, I hate African Americans? So, 
you're saying it's a, it's a form of conditioning that's happening on both sides. Exactly, brother. So how do we get around that? Um, I think from my personal, from my individual experience, um, it, it has to be a mental revolution first. What I mean is um, I had to reject everything that I was that was suggested to me when I got when 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 I arrived in America. Um, I came to this country when I was 17 years old. I'm now 38 years old. Um, and I finished high school here. And I remember when I came, you know, people that I felt looked just like me that I wanted to mingle with were rejecting me. And then automatically I, I had Caucasians that were trying to be my friend and hang out with me. But with time, I, I was able to realize that it was more out of curiosity. They thought I was like a, an exotic animal that came from the country. <laughs> 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 you know. So, you know, at the beginning, I thought the Caucasians were very nice and they were the only one accepting me. And then with time, I realized it's like, oh, a real animal just came from the continent. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> so basically... You know, they were telling me things often and suggesting, suggesting I don't, I don't go near my own people. Again, quote unquote, African Americans. And, you know, at first I have to say I, I believed it. Then with time, with my own experiences with the American society, I would say within two years of being in America, I had to realize there's something not coming together. I, I start noticing the contradictions. Well, I'm the type of person is part of curiosity in me. I want to know more. I want to understand why things are the way they are. See, and that's what I try to suggest to a lot of people that come from the continent and that I, I'm able to speak to easily and get them to understand that something has been, something was done in between time. And there was a work, a real psychological work that was done in order to separate us like this. Well, I have to say the, the, the work that the oppressor did is so deep, did such a deep work that it's not really easy. But I don't give up. Um, I try to tell all my people from both sides that were born on the continent or born here that it's, it's crucial it's a matter of survival for us to start building a real bridge between us. Now, this is not just uh, people from the continent or uh, that were born here, but we talk about the people in the Caribbean, you know, Brazil, you know what I mean, Puerto Rico. You know, we are all over the place. I'm not, I'm not saying anything nobody don't, no, don't know. So, to me, we have to, it had to start from the mind. It has to be a mental revolution. We have to understand that we were divided, understand how it was done in order for us to, you know, to break that wall, that virtual wall that's between us. So are you um, ever accused of, 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 of trading Africans into slavery? Like, is, is that ever like a... <laughs> An accusation. Mm. Yes, it, it happens. It happens. I, I would say quite often. 
but when people say this to me, I've learned one thing is not to have a defensive reflex. So automatically what it does, it makes me smile because I know exactly where it's coming from. The, the fact that I took my time to study the oppressor and to study what the oppressor done to us, that to me, when a person said that to me, is an opportunity for me to, I wouldn't say teach because I don't want to sound pretentious, but it's an opportunity for me to come closer, to come close to the brother that would say that or the sister that would say that. It's an opportunity for me to share the information that I've that I've obtained and tell the person how it happened. I understand why you feel that way. However, this is what happened and this is how it happened. Oh, there is always bad apples in every community. And yes, there were, there were people on the continent that facilitated, that faci- fa- facilitated things for the oppressor, that made it easier for the oppressor to snatch some of us. However, um, just like in every community, there's some bad apple. To me, the same one that made it easy for the oppressor to snatch some of us at that time are the same one that we call house Negroes today. Or the, um, uh, I don't really want to throw no names out there because I try to still respect people for their own choices. Mm-hmm. However, if we all know what a house Negro is, those were the same kinds, you know what I mean? The kinds that will go ahead and sell their own people for their own benefits. So do continental Africans uh, refer to themselves as African or is it broken down to, to country or is it broken down mm. to family or clan? <laughs> wow. Brother, I love your questions. You, you asking some very pertin- pertinent questions, some great questions. Okay, thank you. Um, Africans... Hmm. Africans see themselves first as Ghanaian, Liberian, um, you know, uh, Tunisian, Ethiopian. They look at themselves as as that first before looking at themselves as African. You see, uh, after the conference of Berlin, which I'm very sure you are aware of. Uh, after we were divided without worrying about tribes or, you know, family, uh, family affiliations or anything and basically just divided the whole continent the way they please. They also did a psychological job where the, the house, the house Negroes that they place in power basically looked at it as their own territories. What I mean is they were they were proud to have that the small piece of land that the oppressor gave them and make them an administrator of. So they gain a certain status in their point of view and they they jealously protected these territories that were carved by their own oppressor. I don't know, I hope I'm making sense. Yes, you are. So what they did was they they they, they helped the oppressor uh, in or in um 
in the effectiveness of the uh, in the in being effective in dividing us. So instead of instead of us looking at ourselves as Africans, we do look at ourselves as Africans, but we look at ourselves as again Ghanaian, Togolese, Nigerian, and stuff like that first. But there is a serious African uh, Pan African movement on the continent now. More Africans are looking at themselves as Africans first and then Nigerian. So that there is a, 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 a wave of change happening on the continent. But as you know, the oppressor never goes to sleep. Therefore, whenever people are waking up, the oppressor will always find a way to cause confusion. So give the people the impression that they're waking up, but they actually are getting more confused or they're thinking they know, but they don't. I'm, I'm going to explain. The word Pan-Africa is used on the continent a lot now, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot, way more than before. However, what saddens me and what bothers me and what I try to talk to the people that use that word a lot on the continent now is that this this does not limit. This is not limited to the continent. See, when people using Pan-Africanism now on the continent, is they're talking about Africa only. So they limit Pan-Africanism to just the African map. Where the true sense meaning of Pan-Africanism is the bond between us worldwide, you know, um, not just the countries in Africa, a, a unity and unity between the countries on the, on the continent, but unity between black people. But this unity is just, is beyond just cultural, is beyond, it's economical unity too. It's a, it's Pan-African, the true meaning of Pan-Africanism is not what people on the continent have an understanding of at this right now. Even though they feel more African now than being from the individual countries, they're still limiting the feeling African to the continent only. So they're still not able to grasp the true meaning of Pan-Africanism and to be African. Mm. So is that is that coming together, uh, or this this awakening happening because of uh, of what some would consider like the new colonizers, which I hear is like a spread of uh, Asian influence and uh, uh, Asian presence. I, I will say. First of all, I, I didn't, I, I have to very sincerely say, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. It's just all of a sudden, within the last two years, I start hearing more people on the continent as I listen to, you know, forums or I listen to different conferences or, you know, I just notice people expressing themselves. Like the word is being used way more. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to be able to pinpoint exactly how we started. I have to say I didn't see it coming. All I know is there is a greater sense of continent, greater sense of us as a whole than before. Um, I think it's more, 
you know, Marcus Garvey said, look for me in the whirlwind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my teacher. I, I consider myself a Garvey act. Marcus Garvey's influence on me was great. You know, he had a great impact on me. Like, he literally, in a way, gave me perspective. And there's more people on the continent that started learning about him. However, as I'm saying is, you know, I don't think they're able to have a true understanding of the teachings. So I really don't know exactly where that came from. Um, I'm thinking maybe it's the spirit of our ancestor, Marcus Garvey, that started, you know, touching the people on the continent. I'm hoping and I'm doing my little part that my people will be able to understand that again, you know, it's, it's way beyond, it, it, it surpasses the borders, the African borders when it comes to Pan-Africanism, you know, but I wouldn't be able to pinpoint exactly how it started, where it really came from. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So when you got, got to the States, um, you, you were, um, uh, uh, name called as well. Like, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. And, and unfortunately, brother, unfortunately, he was coming from people that had that look like me, that have the same description as me. People that I looked at as my brothers and sisters, and you know, and then you know, the oppressors' children will exploit it to tell me, see, I told you those are not good people. Come here, mm. let's be friends. <laughs> so, <laughs> so oh, you know, man. yes, the name calling was very often, you know. However, I need to, I need to, I need to say this, to be fair. Mm-hmm. And there were still people amongst my own that, again, people will refer to as quote-unquote African-American that were embracing me. That 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 had uh, open arm behavior toward me. I have to say that, mm-hmm. even though a larger number of them were rejecting me, I had a small group too that looked at me as a brother, and that were happy to see me come here. You know, um, when I was in high school, I got into quite a few fights. Because, you know, um, people were trying me with the <laughs> African booty scratcher names. Yeah. Or, you know, try to throw a quarter at my, at me, you know, I would be sitting eating and next thing I know, somebody throw a quarter at my face. Wow. And, you know, I get hit in the face. You know, I, I was, people tried me quite a bit in high school. So I ended up being suspended quite often because I wasn't the type that would just sit down and take it. <laughs> That's right. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but did so, your did your immediate family actually tell you to avoid uh, black people you. in the states? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, uh, thank you for your questions because again, you, you're going deep into the subject. You're going to the core of the problem too. Is that yes? The answer is yes. Um, the average African is victim to the stereotype. Is victim of it. It eats it, it, it. Whatever the uh, the media suggests to anybody that comes from outside the U.S. about my people here is something that 
the average person that comes from the continent eats all the way. So, yes, my family, my immediate family was one of those. And most of them were here before I got here. So, yes, as soon as I got here is, <laughs> I'm sorry to say it this way, and it, it, it's, it didn't sound good to me. I didn't understand it. And I was like, why? But the, the term that was used was stay away from the brothers and the sisters. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I used to say, but you say brother and you say sister. Yeah. And they would be like, no, it's not brother like that. It's not sister like that. It's like, you know, the brother man, you know, and the sister. And, you know, it's not brother, really your brother like that. And, you know, and I used to say, well, it's not making sense to me. Like these people look just like me. What do you mean? Well, well, it's a lot of crimes and a lot of them do drugs and, um, you know, a lot of them don't really want to do anything with themselves. And, um, you don't really want society to look at you the same as they look at them. And, uh, if you want to be successful, you know, uh, so. Yes, that's how it happened. Wow. Because a lot of time it's the immediate family that says that to us first. When we come from the continent, it's the immediate family that says that first. And then it gets reinforced by the media. And then after the media, it gets more reinforced by the fact that this African guy or African girl automatically by reflex want to be friends with the Caucasians, that's telling them, because you, my friend, your status is a little bit higher than your people in the ghetto. Mm. <laughs> that, that's something else, my man. That's something yes. else. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the richest person that comes from the continent. You know, and, you know, uh, brother, you know, me and you had a few discussions before. And as you see, the oppressor is winning because the oppressor knows when we come together as a people and we understand that we are the same. Yes, something happened. History has divided us, but you know, we don't have different experiences on different continents with time. However, we're still the same family. We're still the same people. And we have, we must unite or we will perish or we will be destroyed, divided. You know, Africa is being taken over at a very fast rate, very fast rate. I tell my people here, this is your land. This is your home. You have Asians buying land, buying land, acres of land. You should be, you, you should not let that happen. I'm talking about my brother that was born here, my sister that was born here. You cannot let that happen. You know, the, the basketball players with money, all these entertainers with money or whatnot, buy land and land on your continent. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Because, because, because there's so much resources there. Mm -hmm. These people are buying land so they can exploit the gold, the diamond, the cobalt, the uranium. Uh, what I, I will, if I keep going, I won't be able to stop talking about what we have. That's right. Mm -hmm. But it's yours. It's yours. This is what I tell them. 
It's yours. It's your ancestors left that for you. You know, it's a blessing you have. But you letting the Asians, I mean, I'm going to keep saying the Asians, the European came and did a lot. Right now, yo, the Asians are more dangerous than the Europeans because they're coming in the name of I'm your friend. They're doing, they're providing services to African continent at a very affordable cost. But the interest that they put it on it is a is a backdoor game that they're playing on the on the African so-called leaders. So they're taking over our countries. Some countries are being in so much debt to China that China is taking over countries' economies. Mm-hmm. So it's like people don't see what's happening. People don't see it coming that China and and other Asian countries, but mainly China, is trying to take over Africa. And they're coming in the name of I have a better deal for you than the European. Which, you know, like for example, we you know when they come to exploit a gold mine, example, hmm? they tell the country leaders, they tell the government, you know, we're going to do a 50 50 deal. And when they say 50 50 deal, it's a new deal for a lot of these African sellout leaders. Because the European Big corporations, when they come, they're not doing 50-50. They do about 70-30, mm-hmm. sometimes 75-25, sometimes 80-20, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay? So the Asian come and say, hey, man, I got a better deal for you. How about 50-50? But when he's doing the 50-50, what he also doing is saying, well, I can also – you know, let you borrow some money. Like, don't you need money to do this? Don't you need money to do that? Uh, I let you borrow some money, you know, but there's still interest on that. And before these African countries know it, the interest is so high that they're not able to pay him. Wow. So China's deal is, okay, well, since you can't pay me the, the money you owe me, I told you I need five years to pay it, so five years is up. And um, I'm just going to take over your uh, your port, you know. So every every ship that comes to your port, it's all me. You know. So that's the game China playing on, on the whole continent right now. And it's like very dangerous. And they're buying land too. They're coming to buy land. But I don't, it's like they want the African. People don't see it coming. It, it, it bothers me. So I try to tell, like, you know, when, when I run into them sometimes, I've been in Atlanta for a while, sometimes I, I may go to some events when I might run into some of them. I'm talking about entertainers, mm-hmm. you know, the T.I. kind. I used to live right behind Club Crucial, so I ran into him a couple of times. And all I try to tell them is, you know, like, as a regular guy I am, I'm not in the VIP with you, but I, I try to pull their coat and try to tell them, they say, yo, my man, you know, like, you should really invest in Africa, you know. You should invest in Africa. It's, it's your land. It's yours. You should not let these other people come and just buy up the land like that. And this is the same thing I say to Africans that I know have money. I know a lot. Of, I know a few of them. I wouldn't say personally, but like I know a few of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I tell them, you know. But the sad part is, you know, the love of being African. 
has left many of many of our people. And I'm saying that the love, being proud of being African, left a lot of my people. And this is worldwide. Worldwide. People want to survive. People want to get by. People want to live life and just get by. You know, the oppressor did a great job in taking away the value, the pride behind being an African. You know what I mean? Being from there. That, that, that was taken away in a very considerable rate. In a very considerable way. Yeah, baby, though, here we go. 